made quite an impact on our city and, and beyond this week. And I am so grateful to God for the way he has been at work and the way he continues to be at work. And, and Living Hope, you, you made this possible. Membership, because of your tithes and offerings, we have staff that are amazing leaders. And on Sunday, as we were getting ready to go out, just as our congregation, you know, we, we just had... We, we just had 41 chainsaws and 300 volunteers. I mean, that's all we had. But they were well organized because of Pastor Clay. And, and we had Jeremy Wade and, and David Head. And, and what they learned to do in just a matter of hours, uh, the next morning the city called and said, we want you, if you're willing, to take over the operation here. Uh, from what I understand, it's unusual for a municipality to turn over their relief operations to a, a local church, but they did. And the reason why they were able to do that is because the membership has provided resources to pay staff that are gifted to be able to serve in that capacity. And so we've had folks from, from Washington, D.C. And, and, and locally come and, and just talk about the, the difference that was made. And I, I want to thank you for helping making that happen. To, to making a man like Pastor Bill Wade available to our city. He's been there with police officers as, as they have found those who, who had died. He was there to counsel those families. And, and he's been a huge blessing to our city because, because we made him available to, to be able to serve. And, and there's been a great need. We've seen staff step into organizations all over the place. You went out on Sunday afternoon and, and uh, Carrie and I were out and, and a man stopped us and said, I just want to say thank you. And we'd heard that a lot. So we're like, yeah, you, you, we're, we're glad you helped. And they said, no, 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 I grabbed my chainsaw and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going, but I showed up and I saw this group of guys and they looked like they knew where they were doing. So we jumped in and I started serving with them and we had so much fun. And lo and behold, they were deacons from Living Hope. I didn't know deacons could have that much fun. And he just had a great time serving in ministry because we were, we were out there making a difference. And I want to thank those of you who've been praying. We've seen so many miracles. You know, we, I say they're little things, but they're big things to somebody. I mean, you know, something as simple as someone, hands, someone handed me a tarp and then I'm walking along and someone says, hey, I need a tarp. Well, there you go. Uh, on Thursday, uh, we thought we were pretty much done with a lot of the big stuff. And, and so we were turning teams away that had massive equipment. And uh, we got a call in. They said, hey, here's a need with, with massive equipment. Oh, man, we've sent everybody away. About that time, you know, Pastor Jeremy walks out and says, hey, someone just called. They said, I have a lot of massive equipment. Do we have a job we can send them to? It, it was stuff like that, just over and over. The need would arise uh, and then someone was there to meet it. I was in one of the areas doing some scouting with one of our members and it was a devastated area. And we were, I was looking for work to be done and, you know, focused me. And the, the brother in the car with me said, man, that, that guy looks like he's hurting. I, I need to get out. I need to go talk to him. So pulled over and he went in, in there and they started having a conversation. I texted him and said, I, I'll be back to get you if I can. He texted me about an hour later. So that, that brother, that man was hurting. And I shared the gospel with him and he's trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior and Lord. And I can't wait to see that guy baptized here in a few weeks. Isn't that amazing? But I want to tell you, it wasn't just the effort. It wasn't just the, it was prayer. Because God was answering your prayers. Because you, you gave and you served and you, and you prayed and, and, and God, God showed up. 
One of the things I want us to begin to, to think about is what's next. I, I really wasn't prepared for this part of it, wasn't honestly even thinking about it. I started getting calls from, from friends from all around the country who've been through tornadic events and other uh, natural disasters. And they began to talk about what's next. And I'm thinking, well, we pretty much got this thing kind of cleaned up. They said, no, 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 you got something else. And here's, here's something I want you to begin to, to think about that we're thinking about as leadership. We, we, we cleaned up a lot of the trees and the trash, but, but here's what, what we need to, to understand comes next. That storm didn't just cause debris physically, it caused debris spiritually and emotionally. And so right now we have a whole lot of hurting people in our city. And so what's next, Living Hope, is that, is that we go and we bring help to hearts. What happens next is we begin to look for, for where the need is. Now, there's a couple of places I expected the need to be. For instance, the people who've lost loved ones, the people who have lost property and, and, and other resources, they're grieving and they need a place to grieve. And so we're going to need to send a lot of you out to those places that were impacted and, and basically say, hey, we're from Living Hope we know you got to be grieving. How can we help? And we're going to have resources available to, to be able to help with those folks. The, the, the second group are those who've actually been doing the work. There's, there's, there's been a bit of a traumatic impact. And I, I experienced this with a man this week on Thursday when we were sending people out, one of the things I was responsible to do is, is to find other jobs for us to do because, you know, we really hit a lot of the areas pretty fast. And so I was talking to a, a man from, I think he was from Indianapolis. I think he was from Indiana. And he was telling me about these different jobs. And then he sent me a picture of a house that had been absolutely decimated. And he said, can I call you? Now, mind you, he doesn't know me. I'm just a bald guy in a blue t-shirt, right? He doesn't know any me from Adam. And he said, I don't know what to do. I said, what's going on? He said, and I could tell emotionally, <laughs> he was distraught. And I said, look, you do what you can do. And you, you, you lean in and we just had a conversation. And he said, can I ask who you are? <laughs> and I, I told him who I was. He said, God knew exactly who I needed to talk to today. God knew that I needed you to be on the other end of this line. And that's what God's been doing. And so you've got people who've been impacted and they're going to need to grieve. You've got people that have seen some things that are really unseeable now, that are there, and they're going to need to process it. Now, the last group that surprised me had a conversation uh, this morning with a couple of people. There's a whole other group of people that feel guilty. They feel guilty because their house didn't get destroyed and they didn't lose a loved one. And they weren't able to go out and do all that they wanted to do. And so they feel guilt. And so every single person in some way has been impacted by what's happened in the last seven days. And so friends, we, I just can't thank you enough. And our, I, I was asked to tell you, thank you from our city. Thank you from Washington. Thank you for the work that we've been a part of with all these churches and all these volunteers. And, and, and there's been a great work done, but friends, there's a bigger work that's still to be done. And that's caring for the hearts and minds of the people of this city. And I need you to begin to lean in and think about what does that look like for you, for your home and your neighbor and every generation that you share with them the hope of Jesus. 
we're going to begin to plan some things. We're going to begin to put some, some, some uh, technical and, and, and tactical means by which we can, we can meet the needs of our city. I need you to start praying. I need you to start processing how you're going to be a part of this and to process the help that you're going to need. Because what we're going to have to do for each other is we're going to have to point each other to Jesus and say, remember, he's our savior. He's our king. You know, one of the things that's been happening is there have been people who have said, if God is so great and he loves us so much, why would he allow something like this to happen? Well, friends, we understand, we who are living hope, we understand the Bible. We understand that God made everything in harmony. He created all things in harmony. But because of our sin, because of the fall, we now live in a broken world. And in a broken world, there's death and there's, there are tornadoes and there's conflict and there's looters and there's all kinds of pain and suffering. But God did not abandon us to ourselves. Instead, God stepped in to rescue us. And he is in the process of rescuing sinners. And one day he's going to return. That's the answer that people need to hear. That's what the world needs to understand. Our city needs to understand that. And we have a responsibility to tell them. So I need you, we need to begin to pray and prepare for what that looks like in our neighborhood where we each live. You are a kingdom outpost at your home. So what does that look like for you even now before we put together our plans as an entire church? Begin now to lean into what God's going to do because he's going to do something. He's got a plan for this. And in order for us to, to accomplish what God has for us, here's the word for today. We're going to need to be intentional. Intentionality is crucial to us accomplishing God's will. And I'm so grateful that the Lord led me to preach from Jeremiah 29, 7. And I'm so grateful for the text that we wrestled with because uh, the preachers were asking, hey, what are we going to preach now? Are we going to preach what we planned on December the 12th? Or are we going to preach what we planned to do on December 19th? And honestly, at the time I said, what were we going to preach on December the 12th? They said, remember, that was the sermon on intentionality. I said, I think we're going to preach the sermon on intentionality because we need to be intentional at this time to accomplish what the Lord has for us next. And so the text, it comes from Luke chapter two. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's get into the text we were going to teach on last week and let's, let's study it today. It is, it, is, it is very relevant to our circumstances and to what the Lord is leading us to do next. So we're in Luke chapter two. Uh, we're gonna be in verses 21 through 24. So I'll stand together in honor of God's word as Canaan comes to read our scripture for us. Again, let me, let me say it again. It's Luke chapter two. And verses 21 through 24. Canaan, read that for us. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Canaan. Well done. If you would go ahead and be seated and pray now for the preaching of the word. I know what you're thinking. That's a pretty obscure passage, but it's not at all. If we can understand the Old Testament truth that this comes from and, and points us toward, 
We're, we're going to understand a great deal of what the Lord has for us in this season right now. So by now, uh, Christ has been born to, to Mary and Joseph, and they've been through quite a process in, in fulfilling what God called them to. And, and here they are in Bethlehem as, and don't miss this, is an important point, Jewish parents. Th these are two Jewish parents, a, a, a mom and a dad who are under the law. Why is that so important? I put this on the screen for you. This is Galatians 4, beginning in verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman. Look at that. Born under the law. It's a very important point. Born of woman, born under the law. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus Christ was 100% God and 100% man. He was a Jew. His parents were Jewish. That meant that they were responsible to fulfill the law of God. Everything about his life was in obedience to God. You'll remember at the baptism of Jesus, when John said, you come to be, to be baptized by me, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus said, no, 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 this is to fulfill all righteousness. This is in obedience to the word of God. As holy God in flesh, he was responsible to obey God. And so here are these two Jewish parents. Now this is hard for us as predominantly Gentiles to understand what was going on here. They were still under the law. And this is confusing for a lot of people. When they read the Old Testament, a lot of times people, they, they misinterpret it. They, they don't really know what to do with it, how to take it. You got to understand that the law of God, the Old Testament, there's three kinds of law. The, the, the first law is ceremonial law, and that's what they're observing in, in our text today. They're observing the ceremonial laws, the ceremonial requirements of Jewish people as it pertains to their, pertains to their faith system. And so there's the ceremonial law. Then, then there's the national law, the theocracy. So there's a whole set of laws in the Old Testament that only applies to the theocratic nation of Israel. We are not a part of the theocratic nation of Israel. We, we are Gentiles saved. Yes, we're children of Abraham, but we're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. We are not under the theocratic uh, authority of Israel. We're under the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as members of the kingdom of God, which is what we'll be studying next year. Now there is a third component to the law and this is what we are under. We are under the moral law. There's the ceremonial law, there is the nationalistic theocratic law, and then there is the moral law, the Ten Commandments for instance. Uh, and by the way, those commandments are fulfilled in the two commandments given to us by Christ. The two commandments of Christ are love God, love your neighbor. Love God, that's the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments. Love your neighbor, that's the fifth through the tenth commandments. We're still under that moral law, but the parents of Jesus, they were under all of the law. They were under all that God commanded. And this was the will of God, as Galatians 4, 4 through 5 tell us, that this was God's plan, that there would be a man who is God, who was born under the law to redeem those who were under the law, to set us free so that we could live. Now, in order to do that, Jesus had to do something that only Jesus could do. He had to live a holy life because any life that had sin that died 
That, that death only dealt with the sin of that individual. In order for a death of another to impact the life of someone beyond themselves, that life had to be holy and perfect. And so Jesus had to be holy and perfect. And Jesus is holy and perfect because he is God in flesh. And, and he was able and is able to be now our propitiation. I, I appreciate the way Callie Capic wrote about this. She wrote, God cannot simply ignore or pardon sin. For overlooking sin would compromise God's holy nature and righteous love. Thus, out of his good pleasure and love for creation, the Father sends the Son, who lives a life of perfect covenantal obedience, exemplified and perfected in his passion. He willingly becomes a sacrificial substitute for sinners. Only Jesus, the Son of God, is able to absorb and exhaust the divine wrath that is the propitiation of God. I pause here again because I love that word, absorb the wrath. The wrath of God must be fully satisfied. If you'll remember the night before Jesus died on the cross, one of his prayers was, God, Father, if all possible, take this cup from me. What was that cup? That cup is described in Revelation as the cup of the wrath of God. In that moment, Jesus said, is there another way? And there was no other way. The way of God and the plan of God was described in 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. So when Jesus dying on the cross cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was in that moment that he who knew no sin became sin. He took my punishment. He took your punishment. The sin that we had committed, the crime against heaven that we had committed that deserved the wrath of God was placed on Christ. And in that moment, he died for our sin. He who knew no sin became sin. Our sin was placed on him so that we might become the righteousness of God. And so only Jesus, I get back to Kelly, only Jesus, the Son of God, is able to absorb and exhaust the divine wrath, this propitiation, which otherwise would have been inflicted on all of fallen humanity. And friends, this is what we call the gospel. This is what we call the good news. And so when we look at the picture provided in the three circles that describe the gospel, there, there are three symbols there. One is a downward arrow that tells us that God came down to us, divine God became one of us, took on flesh. And then the cross, what is that? It's a symbol of his death. He died to pay the penalty for our sin. But then there's an upward arrow. What does that tell us? He has been raised. Death could not hold him. Jesus Christ is alive and that's the gospel. God came to us, paid for our sin and defeated death by being raised. And now everyone who believes will be saved. Romans 10, 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what will happen? Say it out loud with me. You will be, you'll be saved. You'll be saved from your sin. You will be saved from eternal death. You will be saved from separation from God's love. You will be saved. Verse 10, for with a heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. And when we repent and believe the gospel, we are then free to pursue and recover God's design. 
God's design is God's will, God's plan according to God's word. It's God's way of life that brings blessing. We're free to now pursue and recover that way of life. And that way of life requires intentionality. And because of Christmas, we can live out this intentionality that our text teaches us today. And so I want you to write down and to remember this sentence. It's one complete sentence, and I would encourage you to hold on to it and have it handy as we go not only into this holiday season, but as we enter into 2022 with, with a, a, a new responsibility to care for our city in a, in a very powerful and, and, and a God-driven way. What is the sentence? Well... Write this down and remember, because of Christmas, because of Christmas, thriving people, that is those who are trusting fully in God, happily complying with his commands and trusting outcomes to his capable care, because of Christmas, thriving people can intentionally live out God's purpose. That's just the first part of the sentence. We can live out God's purpose. Now I want you to look at verse 21. And, and I, I'm, I'm going to point out the obvious to you, but then I want to make sure we understand why it's so important. It says here that he was called, look at verse 21, Jesus was, he was born and he was given the name and he was called, okay, this, this is not hard. This is not a trick question. It's right there in the verse. I even said it before I asked it, just in case someone was not quite certain. Jesus was given the name. I knew you guys were all right. I worry about you guys. That's why y'all keep me praying. All right, why Jesus? All right, look at the screen. This is Matthew chapter one. Remember when, when, when Joseph found out that, that Mary was pregnant and he knew he wasn't the dad, his plan was to divorce her quietly so they wouldn't kill her because that was the cost of that sin. But then something happened. Look at this in Matthew one twenty. But as he, Joseph, considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The, the word Jesus is the Greek word for the Hebrew word Yeshua, Joshua, Yeshua. It means God saves. He was given the name Jesus because he is God who saves. Jesus made it clear what his passion was, what his mission was. Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And this was the purpose of God. And, and because Joseph was a man of faith, he, he was willing to do what was embarrassing. He was willing to do what was probably not acceptable to his family, what probably cost him friendships and business, he took on the mission of God. He took on that responsibility and he named that boy Jesus because the savior of the world had come and he had been called to serve at such a time as that and Jesus knew it, and, and he later spoke to us. And now, now we are called to be on mission. We're, we're called to fulfill God's purpose. This is a text, I, I need to do a better job of, 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 requiring of requiring memorization of this. This is an important text, John 20, 21. Now we love the first part, but we often skip the second. The first part, everyone puts on coffee cups. 
Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Everyone's like, yes, put that on my coffee cup. But then they don't put the second part. As the father has sent me, even so I am sending you. That's what we got to remember. As the father sent the son, now he's sending us to the world. We live in a city, as I've already said, of hurting people. People in different ways are dealing with the trauma of the crisis that we're going through. And we are being sent by God to go and serve his purpose. And we are to be the light. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. What is amazing to me is how God plans out our lives, how God equips us to accomplish the purpose for which he has sent us and saved us. You need to understand if you are a born again believer, if you have repented and believed the gospel, then you are his piata. You are his workmanship. You have been remade in the image of God, saved from sin, given new life, life in Christ. You have been born again to serve the King of Kings. And there is no accident with our God. What has he made you for? It says in Ephesians 2.10 that he's made you, remade you in the image of Christ, given you new life to do a work for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God, look at this, prepared before him, before you were born, before the scripture says, if you read it in context, before the foundation of the world, God knew the good work he wanted to do with your life. The reason for which he saved you is to send you to care for the city of which he has made you a part for in it's welfare and you will find your welfare. There was a version that was sent to me by Mercedes. I love it. Mercedes, what was, what was the version that you sent me that? It's the Christian, uh, this Christian standard Bible. Its translation is for in its thriving, you will thrive. That spoke to my heart considering the year that we've had. This is the will of God. When we are fulfilling what God has commanded, we thrive. When you're doing what God designed you to do, you thrive. And not only has he prepared this plan for you, he's gifted you for it. It says in Romans 12, 4, for as in one body, we have many members and the members do not have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. We got to use our gifts. We got to know God's plan for us to live right now, saved his workmanship, and now we've been given these gifts and they're all different. It was so much fun to be in central command and to watch all the different gifts that God use, uses. You know, you had the people with hospitality. And by the way, I've gained some weight. You would think during a crisis that we'd lose weight. We have had people with the gift of hospitality bring some of the greatest food I've ever eaten in my life. And, and I wanna say stop, but my flesh says no, continue. <laughs> use your gift as God leads. But, but then, you know, then you got the doers, man. You got these guys that are showing up and they're like, man, I'm ready to tear down some trees and move them around. I mean, and they've never, they've never been more happy than to go and just take out some trees. You know, and then you got, I love watching Clay, Pastor Clay, great leader. I love watching Eastern Kentucky come out of him. You know, Clay's from Eastern Kentucky. Hey, I'm here to help. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I don't care how you feel, we got a job to do. I'm not asking for your emotions or your opinions. I'm asking you to do what we're asking you to do. 
Can you do it? I just love that guy. That, that's his gift, right? So you, you got to have the clay and you got to have the cheesecake and you've got to have, and the sausage balls. Oh, you got to have that. But then you got to have the guys that go tear down trees and, 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 and fix power lines, which was illegal, but it needed to happen. And then you got to realize your specific place and way. You know, I, after Christ died, he was raised and he met with his disciples and he had a conversation with Peter. And he said, Peter, look, here's your future. It ain't going to be good. And he outlined it for him. So then <laughs> Peter sees John walking up. This is John chapter 21, verse 21. It's on the screen. When Peter saw John, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this guy? Misery loves company, doesn't it? My life's going to stink. What about this guy's life? How's this going to go for him? And Jesus said, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what does that do you do? You follow me. What is he saying? You don't need to worry about what else everybody's doing. You do what you've been called to do. Quit complaining about what everybody else isn't doing. You do what you're called to do. Forget feeling sorry for yourself or feeling guilty about something you don't need to be feeling guilty about because someone else is doing something that you're not. You do what you're called to do. Now look, you're not always gonna like your assignment. You're not gonna like everything that God has for you, planned to do, gifted you to do, placed you in this world to do. I love this meme. Put that on the screen, guys. I can't see my own notes on this one. Uh, this is a, a girl writing to her mom. Mom, can you please come and pick me up? The kids at school are being so mean to me. I wanna go home. No, honey, you are the teacher. It comes with a job. <laughs> we don't all like our assignments. We don't all like our gifts. We don't all like what we're called to do at any given moment. That's the assignment. Do God's will. You've been saved for a purpose. You're in this city right now. And, and we have a cause, and that is the cause of Christ. And the people need to know it. And so we need to get on with it. Let's go on to the next part of the sentence. Because of Christmas, thriving people can intentionally live out God's purpose. Now look at this, according to God's word. According to God's word. Very important phrase here in verse 22. Look what it says. And when the, came, and the time came for their purification, look what it was. Look at verse 22. According to the law of Moses, they were obeying God's word. They were not doing, Mary and Joseph were not doing what they felt like doing. I'm sure they felt like sleeping in. I'm sure they felt like taking a vacation for a couple of years. I mean, they had to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They had to have a, a baby in a barn, no power. Some of you know at least what it's like to have no power, but th this was tough. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't make excuses. How often do we make excuses? Oh, I'm tired. Oh, I've done enough. Oh, I'm just too busy. Man, if anybody was busy, it was Mary and Joseph. Caring for a baby in the middle of a census in a busy city. If anyone could have made an excuse not to obey the law of God, it was them. But they obeyed the law of God, and here's why. One, they knew the law of God. They knew their Bible. Friends, some of you cannot obey the word of God because you don't know the word of God. You're listening to so much junk on, on, the, on, on, on Spotify and, and, and YouTube and, and, and other media outlets. How much time are you spending in the word of God? 
I mean, I'm glad you're here, but listen, this, this hour and a half sermon, which I, I'm sure they told you the sermon's an hour and a half today. Don't, don't let that fail. This hour and a half I have for you is not going to offset the 20 hours of stuff that's bombarding. Every day you got to be in the Word of God. I'm just joking. We've only got about five minutes. But every day you need to be in the Word of God. Now, to be in the Word of God rightly, you've got three things. You've heard me say this before. You need to have a place. You need to have a place where you study God's Word. My dog knows every morning where I'm going to be. He comes and finds me every day in my chair because I have a place. You need to plan. You need to have a plan for studying God's Word. And third, you got to have a prayer. You need to have a way that you're praying through what God's Word is saying so that you can live it out. You, you need to have a place, a plan, and a prayer. You got to know God's word. And that's why they were able to do it. But here's the second thing. Here's the other thing why they did it. It's because they love God. Jesus said this in John 14, 15. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. They kept God's commandments, first of all, because they knew him. And they kept God's commandments because they loved him. Far too many Christians love their comfort more than they love their Christ. Far too many Christians want to talk a big game but not live one. We are called to obey the commands of God because we love him. Because he's worthy. And because he's right. Everything God commands us to do is a command of a blessed life. Even if it costs you your life. What good is it to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your soul? Friends, there's things worse than, worse than dying. You say, what's worse than dying? Living an empty life of guilt and shame. Living a life with no purpose. Living a life that's not really living, it's just dying in motion. Friends, God has called us to a great gift and it is to live for him. So write it down and remember, because of Christmas, thriving people can intentionally live out God's purpose According to God's word, with God's provision, with God's provision. Now I've got to get a little technical with you to make sure you understand this text. So here's Mary and Joseph and they had to go to be purified and they had to buy Jesus back. Yeah, they had to go and there was a law here that's being lived out and, and they had to use the provision they had to be able to do it. So here they are, and, and they have, again, look at the text. According to what is said in the law of the Lord, they gave a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons. Now, why? On the screen, this is Leviticus 12, 8. And if she cannot afford a lamb, this is what the offering was prescribed for a woman who had had a baby. Here's what the purification cost was. And if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a burnt offering and the other for a sin offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her and she shall be clean. This is under the, the ceremonial law. This was a purchase that was to be paid for sin and for righteousness. They were poor. You say, how do you know where they were poor? Because they couldn't afford a lamb. All they could afford was two birds. Let me remind you of something real important here. God expects you to give what he's provided you. See, this is the genius of the tithe. The tithe means that we all give the same thing to God. 
What is a tithe? Make sure you understand what a tithe is. A tithe is a tenth. It's 10%. 10%. To give 10%, you got a plan. You got to be strategic. And here's what you need to know. God expects you to give what he's only provided you. You say, well, well God only, has only given me $2. What's 10% of $2? Uh, it's on your phone. Use the calculator app. It's 20 cents. Well, I'm not a millionaire. I can't give like everybody else. No, he's not giving you the responsibility of giving $100,000. That's 10%. See, we all give the same amount to God. That's the genius of the tithe. Is it takes, it takes a heart intentional commitment. See, this is what many of God's people are not doing. They don't want to take the intentional planning that's required to set aside a budget and to give 10%, much less for offerings. We've received a lot of offerings this week for gift for Christ, for the tornado relief. There's a tithe that everyone gives and then there are offerings that you give as God leads. And this is the, the calling of God. He only commands us to give what we have what he's provided. And this provision enables us to be a part of it. And so they gave what they had, but then there was a payment. And this is the one that I've forgotten about. And I wanted to tell you about. It was the payment for Jesus. See, the Jews had to pay back. They had to buy back from God, their firstborn son. Again, this is under the, the theocratic law of the nation of Israel. So on the screen, this is Exodus 13. Every firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem, that is buy them back. By a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, speaking of the theocratic nation of Israel. He bought, brought us back from the house of slavery. For when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of the animals. Therefore, I sacrificed to the Lord all the males uh, that first opened the womb, but all the firstborn, look at this, but of all the firstborn of my sons, of male human beings, I redeem, I buy back. Numbers 18, 16, there was a set price. And their redemption price at a month old, again, Mary's there at a month old for her purification rites, two turtle doves, you shall fix at five shekels in silver. I want you to think about this. Jesus had to be bought back by Mary and Joseph under the theocratic law of God. And because he was God and holy in every way, he was able to buy us back. What was our cost? Romans 3.23, I'm sorry, Romans 6.23. For the wages, the cost of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The one who was bought back has bought us back. He has bought back everyone who believes, everyone who repents and believes. He buys us back to live a life that is according to God's purpose, a life that is thriving, so that is thriving people. We can intentionally live out God's purpose according to God's word with God's provision. Is that you? Are you living out God's purpose according to God's word with God's provision? Some of you are not because you're not Christians and you're lost in your sin and you need to be saved. Some of you are not 
because you've set your priorities wrong and you are not putting God first in your life even though you claim him as your king and you need to repent. Some of you are not because you've made excuses that don't hold up and you know it. And it's time to pray. It's, it's time to sacrifice. It's time to step up. We have a city in need. And I want to challenge you today to be saved, to be restored, and to pray for God to do a miracle in this city to bring about a revival of a great awakening that has never been seen before. Let's, let's pray to that end now. Let's pray together. Let's stand together. And as we stand, care leaders, if you don't mind, please come forward. Father God, we are so grateful that your word is true and that your grace is amazing. And, and Lord, I pray for some who are here today who need to, to be saved, that they'll come and talk to these leaders who are now gathering at the front. They will not leave until they are sure that they have a right relationship with you, Lord. God, I pray for many of your people who have lost sense of priority. They're not living in obedience to your word. They're not studying your word. They don't know your word. They're not obeying your word. And Lord, their hearts have grown cold towards you. And I pray today that you have ignited a, a heat of warmth of fire in Christ, that they desire to obey you in all things. And Lord, please hear as some come to this altar and pray, to pray for our city, to pray for this state and this region, to pray for personal needs of healing and help, to pray for comfort and pray for their capacity to fulfill your purpose, which always brings blessing. Oh God, bless us. Enable us to, to live with your peace. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.